podcast episode from Oncology Data Advisor was recorded live at the 2023 American Society of Hematology annual meeting in San Diego. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit oncdata.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and follow us on social media for more exclusive content and interviews from the meeting. My name is Andre Gua. I'm a lymphoma expert, the chair of the John Torrey Cancer Center at Hackensack University Medical Center and physician in chief of oncology for Hackensack Network. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to, uh, to talk today. Happy to be here. Before we're talking about uh, your study on outcomes of patients with relapse refractory mental cell lymphoma <coughs> treated with brexucaptogene autolucel and Zuma 2 and Zuma 18. Um, so for background, would you like to tell us a little bit about Brexucel, uh, the Zuma trials, as well as what an expanded access study is, which, which you're presenting? Of course. So starting with a <coughs> menace and lymphoma relapse after on a Zuma 2 disease patient who had failed um, anti-CD20, chemotherapy, and uh, BTK inhibitors. And we know that this population had a median survival that was numbered in month, depending on the series from three to 12 or eight, 12 months. So this is obviously an unmet need. And then came the first um, CAR T-cell approved anti-CD19 Brexit cell based on the Zuma 2 data that was failed on these triple failures and then unmet need and patient received uh, CAR T-cell infusion one time, obviously, and the overall response rate was 93%, CR 68%. And um, I'll talk about the update on long-term follow-up in a minute, but this was really a game changer um, because this patient did really well. And as we learned on how to manage the toxicity, and, and that became even better. One of the um, challenges that when the study was uh, fully enrolled early uh, 2019, there was a lot of patients that had already uh, the enthusiasm potentially benefit from CAR T-cell. So there was this expanded access trial, Zuma 18, that was much more flexible in a way. So you had to have failed one prior therapy, BTK, rituxine, or chemotherapy. But um, in reality, this patient population was heavily pretreated with a median of four prior therapy from one to 10. They were older patients, it was 23 uh, patients, and um, essentially in a cohort one to offer them CAR-T unless until CAR-T became commercially available. But there was also a cohort two that was for patients for that, for whom the manufacturing process has led to a product that was not at the cutoff of 80% viability by the FDA. It was 74, 78%, but it was not. So these patients were treated separate cohort. And they got a standard bridging therapy as Zuma 2, which is uh, BTK steroids. And, but on the difference on Zuma 18, because the patients were sicker, they actually could get some additional zatarabine to control the disease. They got lymphodepletion and then the infusion. And what is interesting is that in spite of these patients being older, as I said, 69 years old versus 65, um, almost twice as many ACOG-1 versus Zuma-2, more highly heavily pretreated from a median of three in Zuma-2, 1 to 5, to 4, 1 to 10. And this patient, again, sicker. And in spite of this, the response rate was 87%. And the complete response was 57%. And the median of survival hasn't been reached. And it's 58% in 24 months. So this is remarkable in that setting because this patient had no options. The only way one has to remember in perspective, the only way you can cure a mental cell lymphoma is that if you could do an allo transplant, but if someone is very sick, older, by the time you find a donor, they are not going to be able to do that. In addition, there's 55% of chronic GBH who can do that. So this has really replaced the field. And <clears throat> what we saw on the Zuma 18 is that the median duration was a bit shorter than Zuma 2 because of this patient we are sicker 
and uh, but the CR rate was still significant, as I mentioned, million worth of our And during this presentation today, I also updated on the four-year follow-up um, of um, million follow-up of the Zuma 2 trial. The three years was published in JCO earlier in 2020 this year. And it showed that, uh, quite remarkably, that the median of all survival of patients who achieved the CR is close to five years. So this is versus numbered in month after triple failure. So I think this is a take-home message. Zuma 18, although they were sicker, more heavily treated and older, they still had a high response rate. It didn't last as much as we see on Zuma 2. That shows that you have to do this earlier in a treatment paradigm of mental cell lymphoma. And then the long-term follow-up of Zuma 2 continues to show that patients in relapse of factory mental cell lymphoma should get CAR T-cell therapy as a standard of care. Amazing. Thanks so much for explaining all this. It's great to hear about the results. Um, you touched upon this a little bit, um, but were any, did any of the results stand out as you know, particularly significant in comparison with the previous trial? What was um, significant was the fact that we had, in spite again, being a often patient that would not have qualified for Zuma 2, that's why they were waiting, right? and uh, had more disease, uh, more heavily protruded, as I mentioned, and, and sicker. In spite of this, the, the grade three CRS was only 4%, because by then we had learned on how to be proactive and preemptive in terms of managing the CRS with steroids and TOSI and, and for neurotoxicity as well. And uh, so the, the um, almost would have expected a neurotoxicity be worse in that older population. It was actually manageable. One of the questions that comes is that what happens with a very high risk patient, high proliferative KX, um, PVD3 mutated or deletion 17P, we don't have, because it was an expanded access that was mostly for convenience of patient, mm -hmm. we don't have this data, but we have data in Zuma 2. And now on real world data presented this uh, uh, at this conference that uh, this morning actually in the same session, that um, it really doesn't impact the response rate, the CR rate, and the outcome. It might have the PV2 positive for reasons that are poorly understood, more CRS and neurotoxicity, and um, maybe lower survival, but more cytopenias and potentially more infection for a mechanism that is still poorly understood. Great. Thanks for explaining everything. Um, so what do these results mean for the continued use of Brexucel in uh, the relapse refractory MCL setting? So... Um, <coughs> The field of mental cell lymphoma is expanding with more BTK inhibitors, a uh, combination of BTK and now um, third generation BTK with a non-covalent pietorotinib that the median duration of CR in mental cell is still not very long, it's about 10 months. Uh, in CLL, the data is uh, a little bit more impressive in durability, um, but there's a lot of other compounds uh, by specific that will have a role. Um, BCL2 inhibitors, the, uh, the BG compound, the Bigene compound, but there's also um, venetoclax that is used, although it's not approved, can I call it is used a lot in that setting. So when you start to do a triplet, you can have some potential durable response, but still no one is cured. So. Um, in this setting, the patient who have early relapse, um, POD24, for example, or patient who have high-risk disease, uh, and the high-risk disease is well beyond the MEP and the KX7 is actually when you do NGS at baseline, even more at relapse, about one-third at baseline of the patient have, 20 to 30% of patients have high-risk features with multiple mutation pv 3 deletion 17P, complex carotab, just to name a few. And uh, these patients do traditionally very poorly with standard chemotherapy. And uh, so there are studies that will address this. And in this um, 
high-risk population, could CAR-T consolidation earlier would be better. A little bit similar to the uh, parallel with the Zuma-12 that was looking at a high-grade lymphoma and high-risk patient who didn't achieve a CR after two cycles of our shop, and they got CAR-T on Zuma-2, and at, um, at four years, they're 86% PFS. So, I mean, I think this is remarkable. So if you bring this earlier, mm -hmm. and the question that comes now is that how we dissect this, and I just had a conversation with colleagues on that, how do we understand? identify ahead of time who's going to be on this long-term curve, right? That's what you want to do. So we know there's factors that are related to the patient, comorbidity, age, and all that inflammatory milieu, right? We know some data in large cell lymphoma, but I'm sure it's with it apply in metal cell. If you have a better T-cell profile, particularly metamustine, away from metamustine is important. Uh, if you have a better ALC-MC ratio, which is a reflection of uh, immunosuppressive status, and then for the tumor itself, less bulk, lower LDH, and then have a product when you manufacture it that doesn't have too much T-cell differentiation, still has naive cells that they can expand better. And then once you uh, I sort of do the journey of the CAR-T here, once you look at a patient who have been infused, what matters is the peak and the area under the curve. And that's really what conditions the outcome of patient with metal cells. So you could imagine in the future that could we monitor this more carefully and uh, maybe adjust on the patients who are not uh, responding risk enough because it really has an impact on the outcome? Could you combine with something to try to boost this immune response, if you want to call it? Mm -hmm. Cell-free DNA, day 28, is very important. And then, uh, obviously, um, immunoreconstitution, post-CAR T, so the, and, and microbiome is barely scratching the surface. All of this I'm giving as an example of areas along the journey of a CAR T patient that there's active research to try to see on how we can raise the bar and right. make it better. Great. That's great to know. Um, anything else you'd like to mention about the study? I think the study was an um, extended access, and I think that was a lot of all effort because this is a population that I think in general, when we do drug development, when we see something that has a promising or game-changing activity, we should have this expanded access because it allows patients to have access to a therapy that they will never get otherwise if they have to wait until it's approved because they will never qualify or they won't be able to wait. So I think that was a great effort, and uh, the good thing is that you also showed that in this high-risk population, you still have a very good outcome with 58% minus survival at, at 24 months. It's very impressive. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for stopping by to talk about this today. It was wonderful to hear about the results. <laughs> Pleasure.